1: Here's your host, the one and only, Dan Bach. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome. It's a Monday edition of the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Fix Podcast. I'm Dan Bach, and hopefully you had a good weekend in your NFL action across the industry. And buckle your seatbelts, because today we get you set for a night in daily fantasy baseball. We'll also recap uh, what happened this past week, and uh, yeah, that's what we got on tap today. Want to thank our friends at fantasy draft they are uh, terrific sponsors been with us for a while and we hope you check them out once again carolina millions we're going to recap that here in a moment but week four uh, again the buy-ins going up a little bit but a uh, smaller field to deal with so 444 is the uh, buy-in price point this week be on the lookout for a ton of satellites throughout the week they did a bunch rake free This past week, they'll probably do a bunch more, and that certainly is uh, a tremendous live final championship, so if it fits your budget, I hope you give it a look over on Fantasy Draft. Great friends here of Roto-Grinders and the Daily Fantasy Fix podcast. As for my own week, um, Kirk Cousins pretty much made it a break-even weekend uh, when it was all said and done. Uh, I was heavy on Le'Veon Bell, which wasn't a total disaster, was heavy on Jay Ajayi, which was a total disaster. Terrell Pryor continued not to do very much, which wasn't great, Um, but just couldn't get any tournament lineups to uh, to really do much. So cash games probably won, uh, especially because Thursday cash went really well. Uh, You know, anywhere from like seventy to eighty percent there, which probably covered the majority of my GPP uh, field uh, or coverage this week. Which you know, you have your min caches or whatnot, but unless you hit a you know top. 2% lineup it's hard to get a big you know return on your investment there in GPP so uh, again tread and water week three here in the NFL week one was profitable week two uh, probably down a little bit and then week three I'd say pretty uh, break-even spot for me but uh, we're gonna look over some of the uh, lineups this week because this was an interesting week in the NFL where uh, you just had a lot of GPP busting teams and players you had Uh, A week, you know, where we had just crazy low ownership in uh, these winning lineups where typically you're going to have some chalk hit, but, you know, you look at the winning Millionaire Maker lineup, the uh, highest owned player in his entire lineup was an 8% owned Chris Thompson. That's it. I mean, if I told you before the day started that Chris Thompson would be the highest-owned player on the millimaker winning lineup, you would have probably laughed at me. Uh, but he was. And we're going to kind of break down that lineup on FanDuel. It was, let's see, highest-owned player on that winning team was even uh, – was 8.9%, about a 9% Christian McCaffrey in the Millionaire uh, winning lineup on uh, FanDuel this week. And – the uh obviously the Carolina millions still going on um but 17% owned Devonte Freeman and with a site that's got kind of a flex situation you know you do have you know much heavier ownership Lavion Bell for example 48% in that GPP so again it was a week to uh kind of fade the chalk a little bit and uh and and it worked out for a handful of people so let's start quickly at DraftKings we'll look at the winning lineup there Chuck Chuck eight uh, six lineups into the Millionaire Maker, and he finished with two twenty nine thirty eight. Uh, and interesting, did not have a quarterback wide receiver pairing there. Deshaun Kaiser uh, went cheap there at the quarterback position, and twenty five DraftKings points for him. And you know that turned out into t- turned out to be quite the shootout there when it was all said and done, but. Jordan Howard at 0.6%. And the funny thing is, like, everybody was just afraid of this injury. Uh, but he was underpriced at 4900 There's no question about it. You know, knowing the type of workhorse back that we've seen, um, I don't think anybody would have expected 23, 138, and 2 from him. But uh, on a, you know, I don't think it was the worst play once we, you know, basically found out that, you know, he was going to be good to go. Uh, but so he was... In his lineup, Chris Thompson at 4,500, who had that amazing uh, Sunday night football game, 150 receiving yards, so got a receiving bonus, uh, a, a touchdown, 33 total DraftKings points. He was a difference maker for sure. Uh, Doug Baldwin finally broke out uh, at 5% owned. Stephon Diggs broke the slate this week at 40 DraftKings points, two touchdowns, 173 receiving yards. Adam Thielen at 98 receiving yards, five receptions. Uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, at, what, 89 receiving yards, one touchdown at tight end. And then Devontae Parker with one receiving touchdown, 76 yards. Two sacks, two interceptions for the Patriots. So that brings you to 229-38. Looking at that roster build, the one kind of interesting thing is he used Diggs and Thielen and then put Deshaun Kaiser in there at 5K. I'm a little bit curious, you know that uh, you know Case Keenum did not make that lineup because he was actually even cheaper at 4,500. Actually, had more fantasy points than Deshaun Kaiser did. Uh, He had six more fantasy points. He used those two wide receivers, but didn't use the quarterback, even though he punted the quarterback position. Now it is also safe to say. If he made that move, he might have been uh, tempted to use, you know, that extra what, five hundred dollars on one of these other guys, and he could have actually taken himself off the millionaire making millionaire uh, maker winning lineup. So um, that's just the one interesting thing about the build from top to bottom. I was I was all out on Gronkowski, not so much on DraftKings on FanDuel. I thought the price was way too high. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, it was fine to be a two, two tight end week. And, uh, you know, anytime that's the case, playing him on DK is fine. I was completely off Minnesota. That was just a uh, a spot I was not interested in with, with Case Keenum at quarterback. And clearly those who were uh, benefited wonderfully. Um, but, yeah, very contrarian lineup. I think Parker and Baldwin, I'm a little bit surprised those guys were only at 5% considering the matchups they had. Um, you know, Baldwin... He's too good of a player to, you know, stay down for too long, especially in that offense that needed to get going. And, and Parker against the Jets made all the sense, even though a lot of that kind of came in garbage time. The, uh, the interesting build, though, is looking at some of these other ones. We had a second-place team that had Ryan Griffin at tight end at .3% owned. Uh, Ended up taking the Saints defense at 1.1% owned. Uh, Had a nice Brady and Cooks combination. Uh, Not a whole lot of holes in that lineup from top to bottom. I mean, he ended up uh, finishing one point behind uh, with Brady, Freeman, Thompson, Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, Demarius, Griffin, Hunt, and Saints. I mean, obviously, if you want to beat hundreds of thousands of people, you gotta be pretty much perfect on every spot. And he more or less was. But I'm not seeing a whole lot there that like that I that stands out to me as um, like a bad build or, you know, something that didn't make sense for from my perspective. Except, you know, Ryan Griffin going that route is kind of interesting. But when he was rolling Tom Brady and Brandon Cooks, he wanted to run something back and maybe he thought that, you know, clearly They were going to put the coverage over there on Hopkins, could open things up for Griffin, and five receptions and a touchdown certainly did. Uh, The third place guy's kind of got to be kicking himself a little bit here. He went with Russell Wilson, Dalvin Cook, Jordan Howard, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, A.J. Green, Jared Cook, uh, Jets D, and used Jeremy Hill in his flex position. It says 0.0% owned. I'm guessing maybe like three people you played them in the entire tournament and just happened to be the guy who finished third three points behind. And Jeremy Hill uh, only finished with 3.9 fantasy points. Now he's 3,700 so I'm not really sure the the pivot to have made there, except maybe going double tight end and, you know, potentially rolling out uh, somebody like Vernon Davis. I just didn't see much upside in Jeremy Hill play at all. Um, I mean, I think there was upside in some of those other guys. I see the argument to be made with some of those other guys. I didn't get it with Jeremy Hill. Now, Steve Dakota uh, also just won like what 100k so like doesn't suck to be him uh but man there's got to be a little bit of regret and maybe throwing him into that lineup in that flex spot uh finishing in the top three but still overall pretty good lineup but Jordan Howard seemed to be the the one guy who really uh stood out through most of these uh top five top 10 lineups but look at this we've got a these are the quarterbacks in the top 10 Deshaun Kaiser, Tom Brady, Uh, Russell Wilson, top three, Eli Manning, fourth, Jacoby Brissett, fifth, uh, Case Keenum, sixth. and then another Tom Brady, another Case Keenum, uh, another Jacoby Brissett and another Tom Brady. So the top six spots had, had all had different quarterbacks this week. Found that kind of be, uh, kind of, kind of to be interesting. Uh, all right, over on FanDuel, the uh, million-dollar lineup was Sanderson888. And I actually had a pretty good call uh, throughout my Sirius show on Sunday morning. Um, but one of my calls that was not good was to say with um, much confidence, don't play Rob Gronkowski on FanDuel. He was 8400 That salary didn't make any sense to me. Um, and I just was like, you're not going to win a tournament with Rob Gronkowski as your tight end. And the dude won the freaking million dollars on FanDuel with Rob Gronkowski as his tight end. Uh his lineup was Brady, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Brandon Cooks, Stefan Diggs, uh, Muhammad Sanu, Gronkowski, Prater, and the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Um, the biggest takeaway here obviously was getting Gronk at 3.8% owned. And the the thing is, and I the reason I didn't like it was I was like, well, you know what? There's going to be other tight ends that play well. So unless you think all these high-dollar guys are going to choke, then it doesn't make much sense for me because one of these low-dollar guys might not match him, but will come you know, darn close to it. And let's face it, a lot of the guys that we liked on that tier didn't necessarily do it. Vernon Davis and Jared Cook were okay, uh, but... Kelsey was no good, Ertz was just blah, Doyle was terrible this week, so he was, you know, far and away, it felt like the best tight end option, and he just struck gold with Stephon Diggs at 2.1% owned and 33% uh, or 33 uh, FanDuel points, Um, but nothing, you know, you know, he went with the Brady Cooks, Gronk Stack, uh, didn't run it back with anybody on the other side, Uh, Cook and McCaffrey you know McCaffrey was interesting I mean that was literally the goat game script for him fall behind and you saw him catch nine passes for 101 yards a little bit more impressive there on DraftKings because you get the bonus and you get the point per reception but still um, you know he and Dalvin Cook you know Pretty interesting combo there. Not a lot of Chris Thompson there on FanDuel as well, simply because I think the PPR standpoint of things. Uh, and then nailed his kicker and uh, pretty much nailed the defense the best you could. There was no crazy like 30, 40, or 30, 20 point defenses this week. But Prater at 19 at the kicker spot. I mean, talk about uh, a difference maker. I mean, he won by three points. The guy he was playing who finished second had Matt Bryant, who had 14 points from his kicker. So if he would have just played Prater instead of Bryant, he would have been or won the million dollars instead of the 150 k k The second place team did have Chris Thompson. It was Brady, Hunt, Thompson, Cooks, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Colby Fleener, Matt Bryant, and the Chiefs D. Obviously, Colby Fleener. That tight end spot didn't work out great. But still, nice $150,000 payday for him, So those were the top two teams over on DraftKings. And then lastly, let's get to Fantasy Draft. Uh, and it looks like Papa Gates is in a pretty good spot to win. He's in first and happens to also be in third with a defense special teams still to go. So, uh, you know, outside of some crazy scoring, I'm pretty sure Papa Gates is going to take this down. And his lineup on Fantasy Draft this week, again, faded the super chalky Le'Veon Bell who was, what, 48% owned in this GPP, and uh, rolled Russell Wilson, LaShawn McCoy, Devontae Freeman, Doug Baldwin, Rashard Matthews, uh, Rob Gronkowski, Kareem Hunt, and Tyler Lockett also has a defense to go. Um, that's actually his team that's in third. His winning team was Mariota, Freeman, Cook, Thomas, Baldwin, Gronk, Tyreek Hill, Rashard Matthews, and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, clearly, looking at those couple of teams, he really liked that, uh, that Tennessee and Seattle game to shoot out as he used uh, both Mariota and Russell Wilson on corresponding teams. And Rashard Matthews, of all people, uh, which is interesting because I thought he was going to be potentially getting you know Richard Sherman defense. But uh, nonetheless, Papa Gates looks like he's probably going to win the ticket out there to the Carolina millions. So congrats to him. So that's a quick recap of this past week. And in terms of this next week, one thing that I did notice, I tweeted about it this morning, is DraftKings decided to take the Sunday night football game off of the main slate. And, you know, this is a decision that I'm not super keen on. It's another one of those things that I don't feel like anybody was asking. Now, I will say this. I was wrong when I kind of got into them a little bit last year, when it was, what, week one or two. They decided to um, get rid of the Monday night slate from the main slate, the Monday night game. And I said, I wasn't really a fan of that. Like, you know, but I feel like there's a big difference here. And I was wrong. I'd fully admit like that was the right call was to end it on Sunday. Um, but I don't feel like ending the games, like what's the difference whether they end at seven o'clock or they end um, at midnight? Like clearly what they want to do is pay out after the early games and then make bigger two game slates um, for the Sunday, Monday night games. And I'm not a fan of two-game slates, period. Like, I just don't think it's particularly compelling, um, uh, you know, strategy. Like, game, it doesn't feel like fantasy sports as much to me when we only have two games to choose from. So, you know, I'll probably just not play it. Just kind of, like, have my voice heard with it. But there's nothing better for me than, you know, having the first set of games done with the first, you know, month, one o'clock, four o'clock games done with, and then looking at your lineups and seeing, hey, what do I need to happen here on Sunday night football? Like, I think, I feel like that is a great experience. Like, I don't suddenly feel like uh, it enhances the experience at all for me to have it end at the end of the four o'clock games. And um, I, I, I just don't really understand why they do it outside of just wanting to run bigger evening slate games. And if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But let's just acknowledge what it is. And, you know, don't tweet at me saying that, oh, you know, seven and a half hours is just too long. Like, that, we feel like that's a long enough time for a slate to run. It doesn't need to go longer than that. Like, that's just that's just garbage for me of an excuse. Like, call it what it is. Just tell me we want to run bigger Sunday Monday games. That's all you have to do. And, you know, just say that. If that's the truth of it, it, then say it. Because I, I have a hard time buying that it's a better player experience that people were asking for this. And Uh, And that's kind of where I stand on it. And uh, I feel like it's just a great completion of a day of football. I mean, it's a one-week event. And it's not to say like, you know, those Sunday-Monday games are already large. I mean, and I feel like you could run a risk like we saw a couple weeks ago where you either have overtimes or you've got uh, delays that you could overextend yourself. You think you're going to pay out, you know, tens of millions of dollars or whatever to at the end of the uh the 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 main slate so then people can reinvest in the late slate but i don't know like it, i'll be curious how that works like again it's not for me um I, I like all my football on on one day and uh and i just feel like it's it's an odd move to make especially when i don't feel people were really uh really asking for it but We'll see. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you don't like something, uh, reach out to DraftKings. Reach out to their support and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not in favor of this move. Or if you like it, say, hey, I like this move. But uh, you know, it sounds like it's something that they're going to try out. But a lot of times after things try out, they don't try back. Um, but maybe they will in this case. We'll see. But it was odd. Like odd to suddenly just get rid of that Sunday night game, but uh, if you like the two game slates, then you're probably gonna love it because those probably are gonna be larger than they were before. They're looking at the money that's back into the uh, ecosystem, and uh, and they'll probably run some bigger games. I just not a fan of them. I just think the edge is limited. Uh, you're you're basically uh, you're playing game theory a hundred percent as opposed to playing matchups, which I feel like uh daily fantasy is is more about when you limit the number of options and games we have and uh and when you take out sunday night football like this week isn't that bad i guess because you still have you know a full slate of games but starting next week and for the what next 5 to 7 weeks afterwards you're going to be having bye weeks for teams so therefore the schedule is going to be shrunk as is and you're taking Monday night football out, you're taking Thursday night football out, then you take Sunday night football out. There's three additional games from the week that are segmented out of a main slate. And I'm fine with Thursday, I'm fine with Monday, but I don't see the reason to get rid of Sunday night football, um, especially when the games are already limited. And, you know, uh, the thing about it is, if people like small slates, if they want to play them, they can still play them. Like, that. that's why I don't get it. Like, it's just clearly you know, catering to, you know, the simplified games, which I'm just not a fan of. I mean, we saw them last week, you know, lower the number of options you had and pick them. I looked this week, they haven't posted the games yet, but my hope is that they kind of find a happy medium between what they did last week and maybe what they did the first two weeks. Um, but it's also a little bit frustrating to me as somebody knows that you know this is a game that's you know built, I believe, on skill and matchups and you know trying to predict what's going to happen rather than trying to predict ownership and, and leverage that accordingly. <coughs> Excuse me, because these two game slates are still going to be those days where all the chalk hits and uh, and then you got like a five thousand person tie for first place. How is that good for anybody? It's not. It's not good. Um, but we'll see, I mean, again, maybe they'll do it, they'll get negative reaction, they'll change back, or maybe this is just something that we're going to have to deal with moving forward, but um, there you go, that's kind of my thoughts, I am not a fan, I will probably just not play Sunday and Monday games, now, I say that now, I might be having... Sunday Night Football come on, I'll say to myself, do I want to build a team for this? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see whether or not I can actually have the strength to not do it. But I will say this much. This will be the guarantee because I'm not going to say I'm not going to play, but I will say I'll play less than I normally would on the Sunday-Monday slate. There you go. Or I'll probably just maybe I'll just play more on the Thursday through Monday. So that'll give me the uh, Sunday sweat. That's what I'll probably do. There you go. That's the solution. But anyway, the, wanted to pass that along, and uh, and yeah, there we go. Let's get to baseball though tonight because we still got baseball. Final week of grinding baseball. I don't know about you, but I'm uh, I'm kind of ready for it to uh, to uh, to fall by the wayside. But uh, still opportunities out there for those of you who are on the grind. So uh, let's get to it here today. And one thing you're going to notice very much on fantasy draft and DraftKings. Very simple. Seattle was mispriced today. The Mariners, they're all way too cheap. They're playing Daniel Gossett in Oakland. They've got a five-run implied team total. And I don't believe a single player on their team is is over 3,200, including uh, Robinson Cano at 3K and Nelson Cruz at 2,900. Seems weird. I don't know where this pricing quirk happened, but it did. And you might want to consider playing those guys here today. But the problem is, too, when you have things like that happen, it, and this is why, I like, salary cap games, I think it's important for people to really pay attention and, and uh, you know, in terms of the salaries, is one error like that can really swing other positions and really swing the entire slate and I think today is one of those things one of those days where you're just going to see incredibly high ownership on Aaron Nola and Yu Darvish today in tournaments simply because of what we just saw there with that like I feel like those two guys are going to be mega mega chalk today um, and you know rightfully so certainly you look at uh, Darvish here against San Diego. This seems like a really plum matchup for him, and uh, I'd expect him to, you know, probably dominate that one. He's nine six again. There's no crazy expensive pitching options out there, and then Aaron Nola has just been super solid. Now we've got a little bit of worry here with Washington getting healthy. You know, uh, Bryce Harper is finally back, um, but. 8, 11, 8, 7, 6, 7. This guy's been a strikeout machine, super consistent, and uh, you know 8K on DraftKings, 15.6 on Fantasy Draft is a moderate enough salary where I think you can look there. Um, I think there's some interest uh, in me a little bit here with Drew Pomeranz at home going against Toronto. Now, this lineup is certainly one that you know I don't love to uh, usually pick on, but again, they're not playing for anything at this point in time. And he hasn't pitched great against them, but hasn't pitched terrible. He had 20 DraftKings points in one start against them um, on 719, and then had 12 DraftKings points against them on 828. Uh, had 17 on 72. So he's faced them a whole bunch so far this season. Um, and Red Sox pretty strong favorites today at minus 205. But I think a lot of that is. Brett Anderson on the mound on the other end. Uh, Boston bats pretty high implied team total of 5.68. But even the Toronto, you know, under four in their team total. Well, the Nationals are a little bit over four today. So, you know, um, I think he is an interesting pivot. If you don't want to kind of chalk it up with those two guys, um, with Nola and you, Darvish, I like Darvish a lot. I'd be surprised if I don't go there. Uh, Zach Godley, you know, he's been pitching well, but his last start – Not so hot against San Diego. But before that, the guy was at 33, 27, 24, and now gets the San Francisco Giants here today. It is at home, so that's not the best ballpark typically to pitch in. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks, did they clinch yesterday? (coughs) Excuse me. I think I saw them in the pool. They had a pool party, pool celebration. So uh, I don't know. Is there a hangover effect there or not with Zach Godley? Can't tell you. But Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Giants. I don't have a line on this game to begin with, but. Godly at 9 1 could be an alternative, but I, I don't think that too many people are going to be paying down at starting pitcher today. But we got a lot of high totals here. And by the way, the, it's going to be hot over the next couple of days out there in the Midwest, like 90 some odd degrees. I think I even saw someone post that like Columbus, Ohio was going to like close school early because of heat. That's, I saw somebody post this. I don't know if that's true, but if true, then all you people out there. In the south or in the north, who make fun of the south for like snow warnings? I don't want to hear from you ever again if that's true. If you can't handle like 90 degree temperatures in October, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But um, again, maybe it was fake news. Fake news. I don't know if it was fake news, but maybe it was. Um, But here's what we need to know here. Uh, We've got Colorado sitting at a 12 today. But here's the thing it's cold. It is cold out in Colorado. We got. 50-degree temperatures in Colorado. We got the wind blowing in in Colorado, but we also have uh, Despagne on the mound for the Miami Marlins. We've got uh, Giancarlo Stanton trying to hit 60 home runs. Uh, You know, there's a lot to like there, but I'll be curious to see how these guys respond to these kind of frigid temperatures. I mean, 50 degrees, that is nasty out there in Colorado. So a little bit of caution there. Again, Seattle's going to be the spot that you really want to go to today. Uh, here are some of the names that uh, I'm looking at. Again, I love the Angels in this matchup. They are, um, you know, still, I, I believe, still in the running here for the American League. Yeah, they're four and a half games behind the Twins, so they're running out of time uh, if they want to catch the Twins for that second wildcard spot. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean... I think they're in an amazing spot here today uh, in in this matchup. They got uh, what James Shields, who's just freaking terrible on the mound. So you know, I think even the lower price guys, you know, depending on where you're playing, you know, on Fanduel you can get Pujols at 2900, Valbuena at 2800. Uh, you know, Trout and Upton 43 and 39. But you know, even on DraftKings, you know, these there's going to be options here with the Angels. Martin Maldonado probably. You know, uh kind of lock and load if you need a value guy today at twenty two hundred at that catcher position, just so darn cheap there. If you're not going him, Evan Gaddis, probably your other option if he cracks the lineup today at thirty seven hundred. Uh, but yeah, I think Maldonado a really, really cheap play for us today uh at the catcher spot if you're you know looking to play um, in tournaments tonight. Uh, let's see if there's any other catchers for you. Uh, Real Muto against Chatwood, forty-one hundred, pretty expensive, but it is Coors Field, even though it's really, really cold out there. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> I think that's probably, <clears throat> excuse me, it's probably all I got here at the catcher spot. Let's move on to uh, first base today. Joey Gallo gets Colin McHugh thirty-four hundred uh, in this matchup uh, for the Texas Rangers and. You know, Gallo's kind of been slumping, though. So that's kind of my worry here. He's got one hit over his last five games. And, uh, you know, at 3,400, that's probably not the way I'm really looking to go on DraftKings today. Valbuena at 2.7. Pujols at 3.2. I think I'd prefer either of those two guys even throw some CJ Crone in there. So we got, like, three Angels options potentially at first base, which is uh, kind of nice for us tonight. Uh, let's... Yeah, Yonder Alonso again, thirty-one hundred. Uh, very stackable offense from Seattle today. I think a lot of people are going to go there. So maybe the ownership's too high on him, just because you've got Cano, you've got uh, Seeger, you've got um, Cruz, so darn cheap. People are going to look at it and be like, well, why don't I just throw in, uh, you know, Yonder Alonso? He's the next big, you know, power bat in there. So he's probably going to be somewhat uh, somewhat chalky today, but not a bad spot against Daniel Gossett, that's for sure. Uh, all right, let's keep on going here over to second base for us. And, uh, again, Robinson Cano, he'll be chalking your cash games today. I mean, you can fade these guys in GPPs and just cross your fingers and hope that, you know, they only score like two or three runs, and, you know, that's what you're hoping for, but not my, uh, you know, Probably not the strategy for me in cash games today. You know I love me some Chris Taylor leading off uh, still under 4K on DraftKings. Solid price on Fantasy Draft uh, against Travis Wood today. So uh, 370 Woba, 188 ISO against lefties this season. So he really looks like a solid play. Pedroya is kind of back to raking against the lefties. Sample size is kind of small, but 382 the weighted OBA for him this season versus lefties. Uh, At 3,500, I'd rather have Taylor for a couple hundred more. But if you're stacking up Boston, uh, which isn't the worst idea on the board today, he could be a play for you there. Uh, Let's see. uh, Paul DeYoung against uh, the um, Chicago Cubs today. Again, we've got uh, Lester and Weaver. That's a game I didn't talk a whole lot about. Should be interesting to watch. The Cardinals, you know, they really need to win this one. But DeYoung has just been... You know, a monster versus lefty so far this season. Now, he's going against maybe one of the better pitchers on the slate. But, again, he hasn't been that dominant. You know, seven earned runs in his last start. Uh, You know, it was a pretty good streak before then. But, um, yeah, I'm not afraid to potentially roll that out. Just an FYI, 10 strikeouts for uh, Lester in the last start against St. Louis. So, it was pitched really well. 25 DraftKings points, 40 DraftKings points. Uh, and 33 DraftKings points for him so far in starts against the St. Louis Cardinals. So um, not really looking to stack uh, that game up too much, but Dion could be a, uh, a one-off for us to consider. Um, let's see. Uh, ben Zobrist in that game against Luke Weavers. Pretty good little pitcher himself, but 3200 uh, pretty fair salary there. All right, moving on to third base. And uh, Kyle Seeger at 3 2 against Daniel Gossett, 332 Woba, 197 ISO uh, against righties. Gossett's not anybody who's particularly great, so uh, he's good. Valbuena's Buena's cheap. Uh, tra- uh, Justin Turner, if you've got the funds, with a 480 Woba, 322 ISO. He's just been you know a lock and load. Versus uh, that handedness of pitcher. Donaldson has multi-home run upside here. A 311 ISO this season versus lefties. So he really picked it up the second half of the season. I don't think he's a must play for me, but uh, a guy that uh, I'd certainly consider. Uh, Devers is interesting at 4-3. Nobody's going to play him at that high of a price, but he has raked this season versus lefties, uh, which is interesting because he's a lefty. But 44 at-bats, it is small sample size. But you're looking at a 432 average, 499 Woba, 227 ISO. So I don't think anybody's going to really want to go there lefty on lefty, uh, but could be an interesting one-off to uh, be contrarian in your GPPs. Um, And Jed Jerko, we'll see if he's in the lineup today, but he's been pretty solid versus lefties as well. 383 Woba, 242 isolated power this season. Okay, moving on to shortstop. um, Again, Seattle, Segura leading off. 3K, like him, play him, good spot. Kiki, my boy Kiki, about against the lefty. We get him outfield and shortstop eligible or infield and outfield on fantasy draft. 394, well, but 312 on that ISO uh, against lefties, and Travis Wood isn't a particularly great one. So uh, he's going to fit uh, a build today if you want to get some big bats in there. Uh, Trey Turner against Aaron Nola. I don't love it because uh, is one of the better pitchers on the slate today, but you love that strikeout upside uh, or excuse me, stolen base upside that brings, that comes to the table with him. Um, let's see. I think it's like Segura, um, Kiki, or your payup would be Correa against Andrew Kashner here today, uh, at 4,500. I'm not enamored with, uh, with Houston today. I don't think they're a must play, but, um, game logs, not too bad there. He's got, uh, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of his last eight. He's giving you Something um, positive and some pretty good games mixed in there. So batting cleanup there for Houston. He's fine at the shortstop spot. But again, good value to be had. And then the outfield position, uh, Nelson Cruz. I'm just happy that we didn't have like Kershaw and Scherzer pitching today. That would have been way worse with this pricing error. But then Nelson Cruz against Gossett, 411 Woba, 289 ISO uh, against uh, Righties this season. He's a monster. So look to him. Uh, in your lineups. Love Cole Calhoun if he leaves off against James Shields today at 3,300 on DraftKings, uh, probably around that 6K mark over on Fantasy Draft, uh, 6,600 there. So yeah, he is in play for us tonight. Uh, Mike Trout, maybe one of the top plays in the entire slate. He and Charlie Blackman, 57 If you could put them together with Nelson Cruz, that's not a bad little lineup Again, I am worried about that weather out there in uh, in Colorado. Not that the game won't play, but just that suddenly you you go from like warm weather to like it's freaking April. So uh, be on the lookout for that one. Uh, Cargo at four two over on DraftKings, and let's see, he is uh, forty four on Fanduel, eighty one hundred over there on Fantasy Draft. We'll see if he's in the lineup. He's hasn't been great this season, but man that. I mean that twelve run total with the weather is really just kind of throwing me for a loop today because it's not like Vegas wouldn't factor that in a little bit. Uh, let's see a few other names for us: <clears throat> uh, Chris Davis against Felix Hernandez. Um, this isn't football; you don't have to run it back if you're running if you're rolling Seattle out there. But Davis always big power against righties. A three hundred ISO this season, three seventy eight in that weighted OBA. Uh, Mookie Betts, he's really expensive, but I do think the Boston stack is one to consider today. So uh, in your GPPs, uh, he kind of fits the build for me, uh, and I think that covers most of the uh, most of the bases in that we what we're looking at. So Trout, um, Justin Upton as well, 4,300. Again, love that entire outfield. Uh, Cruz, Blackman, Taylor. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm looking to play uh, here today, but. Uh, That's it. That's our outlook. Uh, Recap of week three in NFL and some baseball for Monday night. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Tuesday will be a full GPP slate. Again, I'll help you out as you're chasing some tickets, maybe on Fantasy Draft at Carolina Millions. So... Uh, Be on the lookout for tomorrow's pod. Do subscribe to The Morning Grind. If you don't have that podcast, again, it's on its own separate feed. So check them out. And, of course, uh, uh, the Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. That uh, is back with football content basically seven days a week on that stream. So I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, good luck on your games this Monday. Uh, I'm Dan Bach wishing you the best of luck, as always, and we will see you.